Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Plot Lines. I'm your host, Connor. Uh, and today, you can blame Darren for us being late. <laughs> yep. Yep. I totally forgot to click Enter Studio on the. I was like, I'm here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's I don't know what's going on in Connor's end, but I'm here. <laughs> he made me think I was going crazy. It was me. It was all me. Anyways, so our topic for today is the lies that the Anglosphere tell itself. Now, uh, Darren's new to this topic because yes. I told because I told him about it like uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah, you, you sent me you sent me a link to a YouTube, and I was like, oh. Connor's going to show me, like, give me kind of an idea of what we're going to be discussing. And then it was, like, YouTube link for the show. So I was like, well, that didn't help. Wait, it's the name. <laughs> of the I, mean, I mean, you would think that the name would be, you know, would would be enough. But you just never well, know. What was your first reaction to the title? You know, honestly, my first reaction to the title is I, I was, I've been kind of thinking this past week of, like, Maybe not in the same, not specifically like the lies that the Englishphere tell itself, but I've been thinking like uh, how this week about how a lot of people seem to have like almost like a Peter Pan syndrome. Like they have this delusion that they don't ever have to grow up. Mm. Right? Also, uh, this the thumbnail I took from a political cartoon, so that's. I don't know where New Zealand is. I just <laughs> looked up Anglosphere and I took that. So, uh, sorry, uh, the Anglos, or, sorry, New Zealand's probably missing from it. But it was just the meme that I found, and I thought, oh, this actually kind of has something to say about uh, what I want to talk about because I was thinking like Talking Heads, you know, originally, basically. But I think this it was kind of more colorful, so it was more interesting. So yeah, so people have a uh, people don't want to grow up. That's uh, one thing that, uh, and the reason I say Anglosphere is because I think because we all speak English, we all communicate in a similar way. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's not the exact same way, I think we have. I think our politicians have some of the same mannerisms in the way they convince of, us of things. I think we have the similar cultural, like kind of uh, yeah. way of going about things. I well, think the, the, I think the, the common the, law legal system is set yeah. up primarily in the Anglo sphere. Like that's, that's such a big thing for, for any English speaking country is that it's going to be where uh, you're going to see a lot more of that English common law, uh, legal system which is is a little bit corrupted today as well yeah also uh everyone joining please like share comment and subscribe uh it'd be really great uh next monday there's gonna be an episode with charles Coulomb, apostolic majesty elena maria vidal and me the me part is lesser but you know it's it's gonna be a lot of fun it's on uh the uh failed restoration among with the french monarchy mm. so that'll be a fun that's a fun conversation i recorded it today so it will be uh but it will premiere on monday but yeah, yeah no you bring up so we have a we have a common law so therefore we have the what we're like what we're arguing about what our debates about are yeah. all kind of relatively similar because we all start from the 
a similar value system. Yeah, it's a similar value system, a similar basic premise of how the law is supposed to work in a sense. So like, uh, so for some of the listeners that don't know, like we usually in the U S we usually think of civil law and common law. Common law is distinct because it, it speaks of precedent. So like if, if, uh, if a certain ruling on a case is done, then it's expected to be ruled that way. Anytime that case comes through when the same, components with civil law uh if there's a if there's a dispute each case is individual and unique and it can be decided completely different based on the facts and the arguments presented to the judge in the case like it could be a completely different case every time it comes to the court system yeah uh uh prepping for evan says hello connor and darren hello Mm -hmm. prepping for evan uh Paul Benedict said, "AB sent me here, and I'm already. I already heard Coulomb monarchy. I'm hooked. Yep, that, <laughs> that, that that's kind of my forte. Charles has been on the show a bunch. We love Charles. He's great. Um, and yes, the episode is coming out Monday. I'm also working on a uh, coronation episode with a bunch of my English uh, YouTube uh, friends. So uh, I'm working on." Uh, Pulling them all together. It, 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 of, of all the things that like is difficult in the YouTube sphere, it's pulling people together. Um, I would be open to more interconnected Anglosphere if all the nations become republics. I don't know if that really works. Um, I, I personally, I'm in favor of monarchy, and maybe the reason you're not is because you probably live under one and. Uh, you have a bad taste of that. I think, uh, I think part of that is is the lie of what leadership is supposed to be, and uh, like the the way that leadership, the understanding of leadership, has just been a little bit, in my in my perspective, has been a little bit bastardized in the last century, with with a lot of corporations. Um, well, yeah, institutions. It, you're, you're supposed like, to be a servant, exactly. So, like this idea of servant leadership is like, oh, this is a profound idea, and it's like. That's just leadership. I mean, that's I mean, people like when it when it gets all these monarchies, it's like you guys don't understand. Like that's exactly what the monarchies saw. They saw they saw the people as their subjects. They saw them as people that they need to serve, like an extension of their own family. And now, like the idea that a, a leader would think of people in their company as an extension of like that they have responsibility for them, it's like wow, such a profound idea. And it's like. That's what a leader should be doing. He should be recognizing that his responsibility extends not just to himself and like putting food on his table, but realizing that the people below him have, you know, like that he's supposed to have that weight on him as well. Well, that's one of the lies we tell in sort of the uh, modern world is we we tell ourselves that uh, leaders are dictators, basically. And well, well, and and in some respects, it's it's true because we we've 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 uh, we've kind of we've kind of lost focus of what a real leader is supposed to be. True. Like people think people think that when they get into a leadership position, it means that they're supposed to be served, and that's a and that's a just a complete kind of like uh, switching of what it's really supposed to be about. Like when you the you know it's something it's something I learned. Uh, 
a few years ago, I was working, I was moonlighting at uh, at a U-Haul, and I <laughs> and I was yelling, I was yelling at my coworkers, uh, and and uh, I, I realized I was a real dick about it. <laughs> so so I was like, all right, I need to stop. I either need to quit this job or I need to like radically change the way that I'm showing up here. And so I just stopped talking to him for like two weeks um, and just did my own thing. And then like three weeks go by and I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> I started yelling at him again, but, but it was different. I was yelling at him, not like, Hey, get this done. I was yelling at him like, Hey, what do you need help with? And that's a radically different perspective. Like there's a different perspective of like, Hey, you believe that you're elite. You believe that you're, in this position where you're able to tell people what to do versus you're in a position where you know what needs to be done and know what needs to do. And you're going to pull people up with you. And that's what a leader is really, really should be doing. And so many people today, I mean, you look at government and politicians, there aren't any politicians, national politicians that believe that they work for the people. I mean, there's, there's so many her videos and stuff like that, even with, with Biden, like, you know, uh, talking down to like a, a union worker, like I, you, you work for me. Uh, that you know, it's like no, that's not that's not how that's supposed to go. It's <laughs> just a very, it's a very defunct way. And so, I would I would have a problem with monarchy if if our current understanding of how a politician is supposed to lead was what a is the type of monarch we're going to get. And in some respects, the way that the monarchy conducts itself in England. I mean, it's such, it's so much more of a pomp and celebrity. Like they're not really, they're not really involved in any of like the actual day-to-day conducting of affairs of state. Well, it's, I imagine it's worse in Australia because they don't even have, like they just have a governor general that oversees Australia. Yeah. And that that must be worse. Um, Joel, the dreamer says, I'm surprised that, you as an American were turned against the founding fathers. I'm used to being, uh, I, I used to be a monarchist like many conservative Australians, but Prince Andrew and King Charles changed that. Yeah, I, I, I totally sympathetic. I, there's, uh, there's a distinction between the English monarchy and all the others, though, when it comes to America. Well, <laughs> like, we're with you. We, don't, we had never really cared for that English monarchy. And not, not really. Uh, that's true. Uh, so um, I, I'm sympathetic to the Jacobites myself. Uh, uh, but what I'd say is that there are other monarchies than England, and they do they uh, many of them have been very good over the over the pre, you know over the centuries. And uh, prepping for heaven is kind of like you're saying you're judging from the bottom of the barrel, and that's very true. And also. The um, Prince Charles, yes, and or sorry, King Charles and Prince Andrew are quite de- depraved in many ways, but that's because they're a product of the culture that they came out of, and a culture where basically they didn't want people to they didn't they don't want a monarchy, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like they don't they're trying to be not a monarch in the sense of what people want they're trying to be celebrities that keep their mouth shut now and and you you know if you don't have a job you're gonna do a lot of depraved stuff i mean if you're just a rich 
Like any rich celebrity does a lot of depraved stuff. Isn't that correct, Darren? I mean, that's a commonality, at least. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily every, but it makes it so much easier. You know, you think you can hide it a lot easier. You, you don't. I mean, like, well, you have one, money and you don't have anything to do with. I mean, one, with it. Uh, one nice thing about not having money is that it's it's really hard to afford the the depraved things that you might want to do. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons. Uh, one of the things Charles Coulomb and I have uh, discussed is that we're both lazy and that keeps us from doing uh, evil things. Yeah. I mean, I, well, to some, some degree, like, yeah, you're not getting out to like put yourself out there in that way, but um, tongue tongue in cheek, you know, not, not like, not not like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Not sloth, just a little laziness. You're not, you're not out there trying to make, the big bucks so that you can go out and do all that kind of stuff. It, it's too much work going to a bar, you know, like that's it's listen, I, I, you know, I just bought a house and like, I'm thinking about buying another, uh, a new vehicle in the next year. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, why do people buy nice things? Like it's so much more expensive to keep it up and to keep that appearance going. And it's just like, I'd, I'd be so much happier to live in a shack that didn't need like that, that had, <laughs> that had like, basic that just had like some you know it never really had to worry about impressing anybody because it's just like it's so much cheaper so much easier you don't have to you're not constantly trying to invest in that kind of vanity with the world uh joel and i found common ground he is with me on the jacobites there we go so uh so uh we see that see that's you know it all took like just a little bit and we're already on the same page uh, I'm with you there. So, but anyways, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the coronation and probably, uh, you know, uh, pick it apart. To be honest, you know, all any woke stuff that's added. I mean, I, know, I, I mean, know there hasn't been one for like what 60, 70 years. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's since been since been the since fifties or, I think. I I, I didn't. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I didn't look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Darren, you're supposed to be able to read my mind. Didn't you know that? Uh, Let's see. When was Queen Elizabeth coronated? Uh, You're supposed to be able to read my mind. You know, this is part of the deal that we didn't make. Right. Right. I'll do better (laughs) next um, time. 1952. February 1952. Or no, no. 1953. Well, I was right that it was the 50s. Haha. Yeah. So 52 was... was when King George died, but it, her coronation didn't happen until like a year later. Yeah. So coronations apparently like so it's not like electing a pope. It, it's not something that can happen in like a month. <laughs> well, but you a, but you be... a year. <laughs> well, but you already are king or queen at that time. I, yeah, you, you just haven't be been coronated. coronated. Like it's it's so much of a pop and circumstance thing. I mean, like, you know, I'm I'm listening to like a uh, podcast of German history, and that's something that's unique about how, you know, the coronation is really important. But even like before you get to that official stamp of approval, like you're already conducting and acting like a king and and the emperor. It's just you're waiting until yeah. you get that official stamp to really 
to really affirm your, you know, authenticity and get a few more people to step in line. It's just, it's just, it just kind of brings together that political power a little stronger. Yeah. You know, I, what's crazy about politicians in our world is that they don't actually, what they usually tell you they want to accomplish, they want to do the opposite of usually. Um, I think that was true maybe 10 years ago. Well, that's what it used I think, to be. I think, I think today when they tell you what they want to accomplish, they're, they're being quite honest with you. And you should actually be quite terrified what that means. That's true. So like, <laughs> like I think, I think, I think during, I think during the whole COVID thing, I think they were quite honest about what they wanted to do. The fact that, you know, they're like, well, we're going to keep doing this until we get like, they were quite honest that they were going to wait until they, they were making up fictitious like metrics and saying, we're going to keep going on until this, metric that we have no way of knowing whether or not we can actually achieve is achieved okay so when i (laughs) so that's that's more commentary on the dying of education i think the the uh dying of oh yeah that that thing's that thing's that thing's toppling over a lot quicker than i expected and i'm kind of talking about sort of like the like if you take the 10 years out you know the last 10 years before that when politicians kind of knew how to get around you know the veil is being lifted that's the thing is like what, well, people, what people, people still people still had the semblance of idea that their vote mattered too well and yeah. i think and i think what's happening right now especially with the last election with biden i think i think that i think they're i think they're getting to the point where they're realizing i mean it and honestly i think it was pretty close when when clinton was uh going up against trump i mean if clinton would have got in i think i think we would have just seen this four years earlier where they would have just acted with such impunity that they were like what are you going to do about it like we control so much that you ain't ever going to change it and i think that's what we're seeing is that i mean they're they're kind of flexing that muscle a little bit that they're just like i mean even the way that they're treating trump right now like the way that they're going after a former president is completely unprecedented and the whole point of it is to make sure that he doesn't run again, that he's never, that he doesn't even have the chance to be reelected. Yeah. What's kind of interesting is though in, in the, um, in the UK, it seems like the uh, labor party is trying to cut off its left wing to resume sort of the, the Clinton Blair uh, mentality. Well, I mean, it was very successful. I mean, exactly. the, 90, the 90s were very, I mean, it's, I mean, even today, people are very nostalgic about the 90s. In some sense, I think more people are nostalgic about the economy of the 90s than they are of the 80s. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. because people still remember that the 80s, even though, like, there was, you know, a lot of rebuctious growth, people still remember that for the first half of the 80s, there was incredible inflation. And then the second half of the 80s, you had, like, these mortgage crises, like the you know junk bonds and all this kind of stuff, like you had all these investment crises that happened where uh, where everything kind of fell flat on its face. I mean, the the stock market had a minor crash, and I think it was eighty seven or eighty nine. Yeah, I mean, the market has been uh, like just constant ups and downs at this point. But in the nineties, I mean, it was generally. Even yeah, it was steady. Or, or steady. So, I mean, that 
that uh but they I mean, also that's... started those uh they also started giving out um uh home loans to people but that did but that didn't have a negative effect until the 2000s and, and oh, yeah. the political and the political memory that people have is so short-lived that it doesn't like nobody very few people made the connection to to the to the dream act of 98 and you know yeah. what's crazy have you seen have you seen the new rules for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac no so they're gonna I don't know corporate up. speak you're the one who knows so, corporate speak so I haven't read up on this oh uh, well. dang it come on I I've just I've just kind of crossed it a little bit but like apparently yeah. So Fannie Mae is, uh, you know, a federal mortgage agency. Like, so if you get a if you get a loan backed by Fannie Mae, basically, if you have a good credit score, they're going to charge you an extra fee. <laughs> You're going to basically penalize you for having good credit, and it's <laughs> like it's nothing like it's something like even if you even if you put more down. They're going to penalize you more for putting more down than not. And basically, from what I understood, part of it is the idea that they're wanting to get more people lending. Like they want more cash to get lended out through this program. And so that's one of the things they're doing. They're trying to incentivize people to not put more down and to and to borrow more. And it's just like it's it's such a it's such a crass manipulation of the market that it's like this is this is a really bad sign because it means something is terribly terribly wrong the government is getting to the point where they're they're manipulating their own market you know the overseer (laughs) the insurer market manipulation and loan like unhealthy loan practices aren't being used are manipulating their own markets not a good sign (laughs) yeah that sounds about right (laughs) that's not good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 not very I'm not surprised. Uh, so the people people controlling the economy are trying to sabotage it basically. Yeah. See, lies we tell ourselves, though they're just kind of anyways. I also mean, like, you know, th- I mean, we always say that we need um you know, a- empathy, we need people to be empathetic to to people's problems or whatever. I and I'm all for that. But empathy, empathy doesn't, empathy doesn't pay the rent. Well, first of all, I don't think empathy <laughs> exists. Empathy is to feel the same thing as someone else. Yeah. That sympathy is different. Oh yeah, sympathy. Yeah, sympathy is. Yeah, I, I think when people are talking about having empathy for others, it's what they really mean is sympathy. Yeah, but it, it it it's it's a tool that they're trying to use. They're trying to say, em- empathize, meaning uh, bring yourself to that. Like, like you know, not not just not just um try and help that person, but you know, you're, you're I, like lowering yourself to that location to that um it's a situation. It's, it's a mess. It, it's it's something that I've been trying to put my finger on for probably the last year and a half or so, uh, particularly with COVID. And I think it started, I think it really started with the LGBT stuff, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this real emotional manipulation? Oh yeah. I mean, well, that's, hey, hey, like... if, you, if you really love me, 
you'll allow me to do X. And it's like, no, that's not actually, I don't think that's actually true. I don't think, you know, and that that's the same thing that happened in COVID. This whole that that it, the the amazing ima- emotional blackmail of you could kill your grandmother. Do you want that on <laughs> your conscience? Um, it's just so funny, though, to be honest. And it's and it's just, but it's but there are a lot of people who buy into it. And there's a great scene. There's a great scene in um in the brothers Karamakov. Karamakov. Karamazov. Am I am I not pronouncing that right? Is that it's odd? Okay. It's okay. It's Russian, and in we're of, talking about the Anglosphere. In one of Dostoevsky's, that's true. And they even <laughs> they didn't even have an English court. They spoke French, so it's like it's completely. That's true. The Russians did. Part of that book, or parts of that book, is in French, not Russian. That's true. Yeah, that's very very limited parts. Um, but uh, but that. But that's one of the conversations that, like, uh, you know, Ivan and Aloysius. Uh, I'm going to try Aloysius to pronounce the names. Or, uh, and they're they're at their father's house having a meal, and his servant, uh, Smirnikov or whatever, who's, you know, kind of a kind of assumed to be kind of the Ill- illegitimate fourth son, is. Uh, is uh what Ivan refers to as a useful idiot <laughs> because he's because he's so emotional like he's so strong with his emotion of like yeah let's go ahead and crash the state and he's like this guy's an idiot but he's super emotional and the thing about it is that that he lives with such incredible passion that like he's going to convince other people and eventually somebody who's smart and can like actually bring together a more coherent thought is going to be able to like bring more people to that cause. Mm. But he's like, that's a, that's a useful idiot. And what I think now that I've used the term useful idiot, I hate to like make this jump, but like, that's basically what we have in today's today's world is a lot of people who just, they're not willing to think through the, the, the reality of what some of this stuff means and everything. Like they, I mean, it, it's amazing that you have parents out there today who are trying to raise their kids as non-binary <laughs> because because they think if their kid ends up being transgender or gay, that will make them look like they have a lot of great empathy and sympathy to other people. And it's not about what's yeah. best for the kid. It's about making them look like they're really caring and super like progressive and like they, they understand the the complex stuff that goes on and it's like but you're just you're harming your child at the same time well that's what i was thinking like empathy is empathy and love these days is basically an excuse to drag people into sin and to hell yeah i mean it's it's not it's certainly it's a manipulation that's what it is It's, it's it's like i uh and, and I and I've I've kind of I've started basing a couple rules about this in my own life. Like I'm not going to do something that somebody else tells me to do if they have absolutely no responsibility for it. Right? Like so I I accidentally rear-ended somebody a few years back, <laughs> pulling out of a parking spot and we traded insurance information and whatnot. And the guy calls me, he's like, hey, listen, let's just not even like deal with the insurance company. How about you just pay me $500 and we'll just call it solid. And I'm just like, no, 
Like, this is why I have insurance. <laughs> so that I don't have to pay somebody $500 under the table, like when stuff like this happens. See, and I like, and, there's, and there's And there's nothing to say that after I pay you $500, you don't turn this into the insurance anyway. Like That's a good point. I'm not I mean, what, smart. I mean, how do I know you're not going to double dip? So it's like, um, I mean, it's like, oh, well, I'm just looking out for you. It's like, that's not your job. I wish I, like, I wish I had a Darren on my shoulder and an Anthony, Anthony on my shoulder. Yeah. And that would just I be like, I don't know why you'd want me there if you got an Anthony on the other shoulder. I'd never get a word in edgewise. Exactly. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine like a, a TV show like that? Yeah. Like uh, you're following around this person who has an Anthony uh, I, I, and, and anybody who doesn't know Anthony from Avoiding Babylon on my shoulder. I, I think and most then, people in here do. <laughs> yes. And then uh, and then uh, Darren on my shoulder. And uh, I just have to I, I can only do. Oh, it'd be interesting if you had to like hmm, you had to do whatever they told you. I, like, I see. See, Anthony would get you in a lot more trouble than I would. Exactly. <laughs> but you'd be the source I, of reason. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be like, maybe don't do that. Like, but that's, I don't know. Like, you I have to be convincing over that Italian, over that Sicilian uh, man. Yeah, I don't know. You'd, uh, anyways, it would just be really funny. Uh, I'd, I'd rather play devil's advocate to any, any, any idea or decision that you were going to have. It's like, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> well maybe anthony represents my instincts and i represent, represent that devil's advocate yeah no matter or, what it is it could be good like, or no. it could be bad yeah it's like don't do that it's like no you definitely want to <laughs> you definitely i think you definitely want to do that oh that's funny um but yeah so it it's just the what we do what our politics are and what uh sort of what companies have been doing for the last, you know, almost probably a hundred years has been manipulation. It's just been different kinds. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, you look at, I mean, in some sense, I mean, you look at Disney and where it's at right now. <laughs> That's just, just propaganda. Just, I mean, it, it is, but like, but like, think back to the nineties, like, okay. They just, they just came out with, what was, it, what was it like 87 89 they came out with the little mermaid and hey, then they I, I, I and then they a video on the little mermaid and then the they and then they came out with beauty and the beast in 90, 91 or 92 aladdin in 93 they Lion did such King. good work like yeah these like these are really classic disney movies that rival like their earlier works of like peter pan beauty and the beast and like Pinocchio. like these are like real classics but then at the same time, like you look at the end of that period and you have Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears <laughs> coming out. And like, it's so obvious. It's become so obvious too, as years go on, especially with like Hannah Montana and stuff like that. It becomes so obvious that there is a very weird kind of pipeline there that is not oh, healthy. Yeah. Well, what they did to their young stars yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's just it's terrible. It's evil. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, it's, it, it, but like, and then it's, yeah, but then their shows aren't really that great either. Like, it's just, it's not really, they're not really family oriented. They're not really, I mean, they, 
they're they're relying so much on the fact that of their brand that oh, I like the two thousands. I like the early the early mid two thousands. Uh, I have uh, nostalgia the, for that. The Lizzie McGuire and no, and, uh, not Lizzie McGuire. Even Stevens. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Is that early two? I feel like that's later two thousand. Whatever mid. I don't know. I feel like it's definitely later. So you're more Fine. the Sweet Life of Cody and Hannah Zach Montana. And Cody. Yeah, Hannah Montana. Not really. My sisters <laughs> watch that. Uh, I, 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 um, the one Phineas and Ferb. Now that's even like yeah. early 2010. Yeah, yeah, Joel. Disney used to be great when they were still showing like shows like Tailspin and Ducktales. <laughs> there are still. There I are mean, still. they they still occasionally, but like man, when they were still showing those cartoons, like at like between three and six on on weekdays because they knew that's when kids were getting out of school like that was when they were like peak there are still occasional gems and the only reason why they have those occasional gems is because they hire if they give the power to the creators and if those creators are not morons and perverted they will make good content yeah i i prefer just to stay out because like i just there's so much there's so much there's so much of their bigger projects that they can't help but like I'm not advocating for you watching. I'm just saying this is what happens. But 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 that's but that's the reality in so much of like not just Disney but like so many others that it's like the only good work is like if you have some independent creative control and the studio isn't like, hey, we gotta put this woke stupid stuff in here. Well, just, it usually it usually turned out pretty decent. Like Mario turned out to be a pretty decent show. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not necessarily great, but it's like it was entertaining. Well, basically, and, not, I mean, and that's because uh, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm planning on seeing. Yeah, I won't. It I won't. Uh, I won't ruin it for you. Yeah, Mario thank you. I appreciate end, that. By the way, I don't know if. You, sorry. Yeah, that that was kind <laughs> of obvious. But uh, I did hear about why, like what like Nintendo stopped the studio that was making it from making uh, uh peach super woke. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like you have something that is obviously nostalgic and it's like, why do we want to ruin that? Like, why would you want to like, I mean, it's kind of like the new Ninja Turtles that's because... coming out. It's like, I can't ever since, ever since the, I, I saw the, I'm a huge Ninja Turtles fan. I saw the twenty, uh, the 2007 animated, and since then I have like boycotted all the new Ninja Turtles stuff because it's just like I don't know. I don't know what Nickelodeon did with it. I, from what I understand, they've really tried to stick with the comics, but like, but like, uh, it's just it's like where they have like it's a cartoon. It's Ninja Turtles, and they have this complicated relationship between Casey Jones and April, and they're living together, and they're like, oh, it's like, it's like, this does not belong in a kid's cartoon. It just doesn't. Like, it's, this is like an adult thing. Like, it, it should be a lot lighter and just fun. Like, there shouldn't even, why are you, like, if there is any kind of relationship, like, it should just, it should try to be, I don't know. It should be marriage or dating. Like, it's just, there's no, like, in-between. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about um. Was it? Did you say Ninja Turtles? Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I don't know anything about Ninja Turtles. <sighs> I'm so sorry. I just know that they're. I just know we, uh... was it Raphael, uh, Michelangelo. Um, what are the other two? We can no longer be friends. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, this is. I I get it. You're younger. It's not. It wasn't like the hit thing when you were growing up. Uh, it was definitely the hit thing in the '80s. Like if you were had any any time of consciousness during the '80s, it was definitely like the big thing. Darren, do you know what heroic signatures is? I have no idea. Do you know what Conan is? Conan. Did you watch Conan the Barbarian? I I have not watched Conan the Barbarian. Okay, so yes, we're um we, we have failed you there, Joel. I, I haven't seen <laughs> Conan either. Uh I don't know what heroic signatures is, uh, and I don't know what Illumination Entertainment is, but uh, I my understanding is a lot of Japanese stuff is t- tends to be not woke, but Sony is pretty woke. But that's probably because of America. Yeah, and and uh, and uh, Marvel has gotten to become extraordinarily woke to the point well, that's to the point. Disney. That's I Disney. Guess, I guess I guess that is, but to the point where they even make like Jordan like basically a villain <laughs> like a red skull villain well they oh yeah they did that in the <laughs> and, it's just, and it's just like what oh yeah the comments it's like you need to take more yeah. responsibility and it's like this like you know it's like that weird that weird moment when like captain america is like yeah, we agree here. Like, wait. <laughs> like, wait. Like, maybe, maybe the issue is like in which we're trying to get this across. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I can't see, um, I can't see uh, Jordan P- or Jordan Peterson as Hydra. I just, I can't see that being a thing. Um, I mean, if you're saying like they want order, see, that's the thing is like. People associate order with bad, which is weird. Oh, well, people associate that the reason, a big reason for that is because of the Nazi regime. Still, well, yeah. oh yeah, because because that was that's the whole idea, and it's like, but you know, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, if you if you read Plato's Republic, right, like there's really. There's really three kind of basic uh, metaphysical ideas of like, you know, what what is truly what is the best way of good. It's like either either it's about avoiding suffering, uh, seeking out the highest form of pleasure or or order, like bringing yeah. order to chaos. And right now we live in a culture that is so diluted with utilitarianism. Pleasure seeking. That's about. So it's not it's what not. He, it's. It's not hedonistic per se, but like, but it's kind of like it's it's a mashup of those two things. It's a seeking of pleasure and the avoidance of suffering. What was the first one? Sorry, it's the avoidance of suffering, seeking of pleasure, and then order. What do you think uh, the Soviet Union was? I think the Soviet Union was uh, seeking suffering. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think, avo- avoiding. I think. The- I think. I think the idea. The idea of the Soviet Union and communism is order without God. And and what they what what communism proves is that there is no such thing as order if you are. Um, if you well, if you don't if you don't have a divine prince if you don't have a divine principle that you're seeking, well, so if you're if Nazis, you're creating if you're creating the same thing, they did, and that's you know, and that's something that people don't understand because because uh, it it unfortunately a lot of people don't understand how, in spite of the fact that the Nazis and communists did not get along, they're basically essentially the same thing. Because they're 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 both collectivist ideals, and they're both they both they both want to establish order without, but on their own terms without God. Well, one just wanted to be make it international, and one wanted to make. make they both it... wanted it to make it international again. Yes, this yes is it. and no. Yes no, and no. This is it. Wait, you're. This is this is this is just trying to like pit the two like. There's there's so much more similar than they are different. Okay, but what I'm trying to say is that the the Soviets would have w- wanted to gobble everything up onto its onto its own centralized government, while the the Germany at that time allowed uh, all these different smaller nations. They had to have the same type of government. But they could, they governed at a, on a local level. The Soviets would not allow anybody to have any level of independence. Yeah, I guess I guess from that sense you're right. But I think that has a lot more to do with less, a little bit of the history of of Germany versus the history of of Russia. Well, that's just well, that's I because mean, the because Germany, of- the German society has always been. I mean, German politics has always been kind of like, in some essence, you can't just push yourself onto everything. You're going to need some uh, local autonomy to make things work efficiently. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's just the, of course, the ideology that came to the forefront was based on the history of the nation that it came from. But the communism was communism no matter where it was like communism doesn't change ri- truly from the soviet union to um uh, spain to cuba the the republicans of spain oh it, it, or exactly or um anyways so basically i mean com- and venezuela like the communists are communists no matter where they are uh now venezuela is Venezuela socialist. It's the same thing. Communist <laughs> <laughs> left. Well, I mean, national socialist though. See, it's got to be national versus international. That's the only distinction that can that has to be able to uh, differentiate. Well, I think I think there's a little bit of an idea that you know uh, you want to control all those resources and. And a lot of a lot of times, controlling the resources of an individual state. I think I think this is part of the maxim where people are like, oh, the USSR did it wrong, and that's where that's part of that whole idea of like, well, they didn't really do it right. They tried to they tried to eat too much of a big chunk. Like if they would have taken a like they tried to do too big of an error. Like you know, like 
Venezuela, like, actually just trying to do – they still starve their own people. They still, like – you know, I think, like, what was that? Uh, there was some statistic, like, in one year, like, the average person living in Venezuela lost 19 pounds over the course of a year because right. of because of the, like, the shortage of food and how, how hard it was to come by. Now, it's interesting is – our title of the episode is Lies That the... Angle Spirit Tell Itself. Man, we're talking about Venezuela now. And, well, no, we talked about Venezuela. We talked <laughs> about Germany. We talked about Russia. And we talked about Japan. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all get... Well, no, I think the, eh. I think, I think the key thing that connects this is the, the lies that started in Germany and in, in Russia just got uh, teleported. <laughs> They, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, that's. I know there's a. Gosh, who is telling? Somebody was telling me the other day that they had uh, just read uh, some Hildebrand uh, about uh, his fight with the Nazis. His I fight with you were the, reading Hildebrand. I was reading a different Hildebrand. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was reading a different book by Hildebrand. I was reading. I was reading Trojan Horse in the City of God. Different, different story. Darren's this, just trying to tell me that. It was actually him that was that he was talking to himself. No, I, uh, I a friend of mine was telling me that they they were listening to an audiobook of like uh, he has a audiobook of my fight with Hitler, and um, it, it's an like it basically just talks about how he realized what what he was at the very onset and how he left. Germany and to Austria, and they kind of went to Switzerland, to France for a little bit before eventually coming over to America. But I know it's one thing that even uh, his wife Alice would talk about sometimes about how he would he would lament. You know, it's like we may have like won the battles, but uh, Hitler definitely won the war. Like because his ideas, his ideas like got transported. Like his like one of the things. Like he he put things in such a way that that like if you want to beat me you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be more you're gonna have to do fascism better than me and the problem is is that right after part of the problem is that we had the Great Depression right before that right well and it's so the same it, thing with Napoleon Napoleon uh, spread his uh, philosophy and his government structures across all of Europe after um, after almost conquering it and then basically to out Napoleon everyone they had everyone had to ad, uh, adopt similar principles yeah but like uh, but Keynesian economics came up after the after the uh, depression and Keynesian economics was this idea of like oh well if we want to if we want to uh, uh, you know, try to kickstart this going up. We we gotta we gotta spend money to kickstart that economy, which is which is a lot of what the whole uh, New Deal was of uh, FDR was Keynesian Keynesian economic principles, and then um, Kane, I mean, and then you have the whole war breakout. Now you have a reason to control different industry, and it just. Keynesian economics basically justified every politician's wet dream when it comes to spending and taking control of, of economic action. And 
we really haven't recovered. And I mean, that, that's, I mean, talking about the uh, lies that Anglosphere tells itself, uh, Keynesianism is definitely on top of that list. The idea that it can spend money and, and that when it gets into a hole, all it has to do is spend more money. <laughs> to, to spend itself out of it. That gave me another um, lie we t- we tell ourselves um, that we won World War II. What's that? You you said it yourself that basically uh, we had to become uh, yeah yeah the Marshall, the Marshall Plan is just terrible. We we lost World War II because we lost the morality that we had. You know, we yeah. lost we lost the social structures that um, Hitler tried to destroy, and he won. He destroyed. Yeah, I mean, and, and and to be and to be fair, a lot of those social structures were weakened after World War One, but not really in America. Not in America, but certainly in the European continent. Yes, England uh, was because there. because I mean that, that's even something like even even if you read like uh, Edith Stein. Sometimes her works, like she'll even comment on that about how you could tell there's a there's a vast difference of what it was like living in Germany before the war and after the war. It was like people, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it, honestly, it, what, what's concerning about that is the way that she describes it is a little bit of the way that we describe what's going on in America right now, where it seems like people seem to be more comfortable with being jerks in public. Or like how you you when you when you're given this form of Twitter, like you you give this kind of sense of anonymity, people have this more freedom to kind of express themselves in a way that that they would never express themselves otherwise. And I I I remember I think it was Edith Stein. It might have been a different author around that time period who was expressing kind of this change in the culture that happened in World War One and World War Two was that people seem to be a little bit more comfortable with outbursts of violence. Yeah, that's that's why we need to be more... That's why I love Seamus Coughlin of Freedom Tunes. He has a podcast called Shamer. He is trying to bring back sh- shame. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and, and certainly, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I You look at the culture of, of Germany and... and uh, Czech Republic and stuff like that. I mean, you, you learn a little bit about how that culture functions, and it's just like, can you imagine? Can you imagine the Ottomans, or even the not the Ottomans, but the Ottoman or Silesian Empire ruling over that type of people? Uh, much less, much less even, or even like the even like the Habsburgs. <laughs> like, how much the Habsburgs would be like? What is going on with people? Like. We, we can't allow this to be happening with you. Uh, just the, just the social ills and stuff like that that are going on. Like, and I know oh, yeah. that, like with, I mean, with World War One, like with the labor and stuff like that. I know that was a big deal, but like, it's just there's so much more of uh, that that broken up like sense of like family isn't important. Yeah. Also, uh, Joel is concerned that um, that companies will go. Uh, not just, uh, not not just uh, uh, um, anti woke, but you know, actually uh, dismiss all progressivism and go and become actual racists. And I mean, that, 
that that's a real i mean honestly that's a genuine concern because well the racist part i would say yes but progressivism isn't of itself a lie like progressivism Assuming is it's actually progress well but progress isn't uh, isn't really there there is the ideal that yeah. you can that you can get to but it's yeah. not on earth that's the problem we're looking at it as if we can make heaven on earth, yeah. but we can't. I think. And I think. I think there's always going to be that risk that the pendulum is going to swing the opposite way. Oh, and yeah. if that pendulum swings the opposite way, how how far is it going to swing, and how how uh, how brutally is it going to swing? And certainly, you have elements in society that would be willing to take that to those extremes. I I'm uncertain that elements are actually in positions of actual uh, influence and power any any time that I run into any time that I run into those undercurrents they're usually I'm just gonna say it they're usually white trash <laughs> <laughs> like well, they're not they're not people they're not people who are who are uh, actually living their life by any kind of principle they're just stuff with the world and it's just there's somebody they can be pissed off at. To be uh, fair, that's... I do think he's talking about like Japanese companies. Oh, okay. And that is very possible just because. I, mean, I mean, historically, I mean, I... yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very possible. But, it's you know, that's, true, yeah. but that whole, but, you know, it, it's interesting if you ever really listen to like the stuff about um like getting into the conflict with Chinese in World War II, about how many of the European nations were concerned that the Asian nations were going to start realizing their own economic power and sheer numbers and volume of land, just be like, you know what? We're going to throw off this yoke of dominance of the West and we're going to be our own. And they're like, if they figure this out, we're screwed. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird... You know, it's it, it's a really weird thing how much, I mean, it, it's just a really weird thing how much that kind of, I mean, we would look at that and say, wow, that's really kind of racist. But it is kind of weird how much uh, that kind of race stuff is figured. But like one thing, though, is like you got a lot of, you got a lot of uh, stuff that's happened in the last century with within those different Asian cultures like not all of them really have the the that you know respect for each other like they could have probably developed at the beginning of last century oh i i, I saw a really funny clip it was uh this this asian guy i think it was korean he was on a podcast and he was talking about how uh the korea korea didn't have a history of of slavery or anything like that and and they looked it up and Korea had the longest uh like stretch of of uh slavery in the history of the yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like it was just so funny his reactions was just so hilarious. Yeah. So Joel so Joel is saying like the hypersexualization and honestly I think that is progressive though. Like I as much as as much as we get the me too movement from progressives uh let's let's also point out that a lot of the a lot of the uh people who were 
who they were accusing were progressives, were the people that they were pushing, like that, you know, that were that were helping them get that stuff. I mean, like it's like when it comes when it comes to like who is against who who speaks out against porn and sex trafficking and stuff like that. It's not. I mean, it's the, it's the progressives who want to downplay that and pretend like it's not happening. Right, like it's. I mean, I mean, it, and and some of that hypersexualization is still happening. It's just it's not happening in the in the uh, same aesthetic that we would that we would expect from the nineties. Like it's just like now it's like, hey, we're gonna show this person who is not physically fit or attractive, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna shove them in your face and tell you that you have to say that they are attractive. Here's this trans person, and we're gonna tell you that you're you're transphobic if you don't think that you want to like, you know, if you don't agree with our distorted perception of humanity and sexuality, that this is somebody that you should be want wanting to spend your life with. And it's like this is so. It's not the idea that I don't think it's the idea that there's be a swing back into a hypersexualization. The reality is, is that we have a hypersexualization. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's always kind of been there. It's just, it's, it's just kind of changed. It's not something that is aesthetically pleasing to most, <laughs> most people. That's the only difference is the, the aesthetics of it have changed, but it's still there. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we should probably wrap up. Uh, uh, please uh, let me know in the comments you want to see me or more of me and Darren uh, as a as a duo, uh, you know. So that, I think that'd be a lot of fun to have more of these just random conversations. Yeah, uh, to talk. Maybe, maybe we can start getting on Africa next time. We talk about the Anglosphere. <laughs> well, part of Africa is an Anglosphere. Anglosphere. I mean, well, the southern part, I guess. And you know. Isn't Nigeria technically part of the Anglosphere? I, parts I mean, you're going to have to take in Uganda, too. I think Uganda has a uh, common law system. So. Yeah, there there are a few. I looked it up. Their map is, you know, s some central and northern. But, yeah, maybe we'll take on French, uh, the Francophiles. There you go. The we'll white, have to, what? The white flag of France. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting enough, we talk about the white flag of France uh, on Monday, next Monday. Oh, yeah. Charles, uh, Elena, Apostolic Ma Majesty, and I talk about the uh, how the uh, the flag was a big impediment in the restoration of the French monarchy in 1873. So, good job tying that in, even though I didn't tell you to do so. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Darren, thanks for coming on. Especially uh, thanks for having last, me. Last minute. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, this little chat. Uh, and I hope all of you listening and watching did as well. So uh, thank you all. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we'll catch you all later. Bye. God bless. <laughs>